0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: You don't want to just start this race well, you want to finish the race well.
0: How many trip and fall in their race of life? On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie urges us to stay faithful, to press forward and not rest on our laurels. Extensive
1: Bible knowledge and years of spiritual experience make you think you're somehow above it all? You think you've reached some kind of a plateau spiritually? The Bible warns that him that thinks he says, take heed lest he fall.
0: This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Can you hear all the angels are singing? This is the day, the day when life begins. Phenambulism. It's the skill of walking on a tightrope, the high wire. Performers face mortal danger because, well, it's the long way down. The last thing that they want, literally, is to make it only halfway across the high wire. On a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that it's even more important to finish the race of life well. There's mortal danger, there's uncertainty and breathless moments. But thankfully, when we fall, the Lord is here to catch us and restore us.
1: want to focus on a man who lived in the last days, if you will. Now they were his last days. They're different than ours. We're waiting for the judgment that will come upon the planet by fire. He was waiting for the judgment that would come upon the planet by water. And his name was Noah. He was living in the days before the great flood. And Jesus actually brought him up uh, as a picture of what things will be like before Christ returns. And in Matthew 24, uh, it said, The arrival of the Son of Man will take place in days like Noah's. Before that great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual, having a good time, right to the day that Noah boarded the ark. They knew nothing until the flood swept everything away. And then Jesus says, The Son of Man's arrival will be like that. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a mill. One will be taken and the other left. Uh, so be alert and be awake because you have no idea when your master will show up. All right, so in light of that, how should we live? Let's go back to that last day's believer, Noah. How did he live? We already saw this together. If you're taking notes, here's point number one from our last message. Noah had a great reverence for God. Noah had a great reverence for god hebrews eleven seven says Noah moved with godly fear or with godly reverence. I think that 's something that 's lacking in the lives of many believers today. an actual reverence for God. Number two, Noah walked with God when no one else did uh, genesis six six nine says Noah walked with God." Uh, then we know that Noah was also a witness for God. Second Peter 2.5 says he was a preacher of righteousness. Listen to this. Did you know that Noah lived 120 years and never had a single convert? Yet he's called a preacher of righteousness. He stands as an example to all of the faithful seed sowers out there who cannot always measure their success in sharing the gospel outwardly. Maybe that describes you. You've told your whole family about Jesus. No one's believed. You've told all your friends about Jesus. Not one of them has become a Christian. You've let your neighborhood know you're a believer. You've invited them all to church and no one has responded to your invitation and you feel like a failure. Well, take heart because it's not over till it's over. You see, my job is to sow seeds. Now, by that I mean my job is to get the gospel out there and it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring about a conviction in the heart of a non-believer. Only he can do that. But don't underestimate the power of that little seed that you've sown in your family's life, in your children's life, in your grandchildren's life, and in the lives of others. I read the story about a missionary who was named George Smith. He probably thought his ministry was a complete failure. He'd been in Africa only a short time and then he was driven from the country, leaving behind only one convert, a very poor, unknown woman. He died not long after that, while on his knees praying for Africa. Years later, a group of men stumbled upon the place where George Smith had prayed and they found a copy of his Bible that he left behind in Africa and they met the one convert of George Smith's ministry. But as it turns out, that one convert had reached others who reached others and a hundred years later, a mission agency discovered 13,000 people traced their conversion to the ministry of George Smith. Okay, so you got to think forward. So you're taking the time to sow the seed of the Word of God in the life of your child and, and you don't have some great far-reaching ministry and you feel like you don't have enough to do. Listen, you don't know who that child will turn out to be. You don't know about that seed that you sowed in another place. So you just pray and leave it in God's hands. So Noah didn't have a lot of people that believed, but we're still talking about him today, aren't we? And then the Lord gives to Noah a very unusual command. It's in Genesis 6. So pop over there now. Genesis 6. Verse 14. The Lord tells him to build an ark or a boat. Uh, Verse 14 of Genesis 6. Build a large boat from gopher wood, says the Lord. And waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside of the boat. Lower, middle, and upper. So this was a supreme act of faith. Considering the fact that it had never rained up to this point. It had not rained yet. The way the earth was watered was through this unique sort of water canopy the Lord had set in place, creating a terrarium-type effect on planet earth. And you had all the beautiful vegetation and so forth. Noah's thinking, uh, a boat? What am I going to do with a boat? But uh, he obeyed the Lord one of the greatest acts of faith in history when Noah cut down that first gopher wood tree to build this ark. But he did it. You know, it's an interesting thing because uh, Noah was not a builder. The Bible doesn't tell us he, he was in the building profession. He was what you would call an amateur. Well, I think uh, experts built the Titanic and that didn't turn out so well. But an amateur built the ark. And it was very buoyant and very seaworthy, as we'll see in just a moment. But he put feet to his faith and did what God told him to do.
0: Well, thanks for joining us today. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's sharing about the Bible's account of Noah today. It's a message called The World Changer at the End of the World.
1: I want you to think about the spiritual life of Noah for a moment. He had to sit on that boat for 40 days and 40 nights as the rain came, and he ultimately was on board around a year. And the sea can be a very lonely place, can't it? And uh, (laughs) that thing must have stunk, honestly, all those creatures in there. But now his voyage is about to come to an end. And God's Holy Spirit blew across the land and the clouds began to dissipate. The sun appears and eventually the grass and the plants and the trees begin to come back to life. As the children's song says, the sun came out and dried up the landy landy. Everything was fine and dandy dandy. You ever heard that song? But he waited and finally... The moment has come for him to get off of this ark. And I want you to notice what he does. Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar to the Lord. You know, it would have been very easy to just climb off that boat and say, Okay, man, I'm so sick of being on the water. I want to just run around for like a month on terra firma, on firm ground. But the first thing he did, because he had his priorities in order, is he built an altar to the Lord and gave thanks to the Lord. He put first things first. And there's a lot of ways that we can do this as well. Uh, The simple act of saying grace over a meal is a great way to just give thanks to God. Uh, Remembering the Lord with the faithful giving of your finances. Whatever money you make, that's given to you by God and you take a tithe of that also known as a tenth of that and you give it to God and the scripture promises that if you honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops your barn will be overflowing I saw a bumper sticker on a car that said tithe if you love Jesus anybody can honk right <laughs> So that's just a percentage. Okay. I'm putting God first. And then another way to put God first is, you know, on Sunday, it's like, we're going to church today. That's what we do on this day, the Lord's day. Remember God. And God remembered Noah. Okay. So here is the story. Noah's ark. Beautiful. They make it to the new land. And now they're giving thanks to the Lord. And if this were a movie and if we wrote it, this is where the story would end. You can see the closing scene. Noah's looking up to heaven. Tears coming down his face. The the flowers are growing. And the animals are hopping around. And there's a rainbow and the credits are on the screen. But that's not how the story ends. Because this is a Bible story. And Bible stories are true. They're not fairy tales. And when something happens that is not convenient, it's there anyway. Because if it happens, it happens. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Lord doesn't cover up the flaws of the great men and women that He used. So what happened next is kind of sad in many ways in the life of Noah, but it did happen. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine that he had made and became drunk and lay naked inside of his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father was naked, went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe and held it over their shoulders and backed into the tent to cover their father. And as they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. Mm -hmm. Wow, really? After all of that walking with the Lord, after all of that exercise of faith, this is how you're going to thank the Lord? Well, this is what He did. A few things popped out from this story. First of all, it teaches us anyone can fall into sin. Anyone can fall into sin, including you. And if you think, well, that'll never happen to me, or I would never deny the Lord, or I would never sin in that way, you could, now, prayerfully and hopefully, you won't. And the fact is, God will never give you more than you can handle, right? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God who is faithful will not allow you to be tempted above your ability to resist. There's always a way out if every temptation is in there. How many of you have been tempted to sin? Raise your hand up. you've been tempted to Okay, how many of you have been tempted to sin and you've given in to the temptation? You better raise your hands, all of you. Because <laughs> we all have, haven't we? Now let me ask you this. Go back to that temptation you gave into, Whatever it was, was there a way out? Could you have resisted it? Could you have walked out of a door? Could you have terminated the conversation or whatever you were dealing with? Could you have gotten out of it had you chosen to? The answer is yes. But if you don't choose to, well, you can choose the wrong thing. And that's what Noah did. You know, it may surprise you to know that sometimes those who have known the Lord longer can be more vulnerable to slipping than the person who is young in the faith. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes those who have known the Lord longer can be more vulnerable to slipping than the person who is young in the faith. You say, but why? Because when you're young in the faith, you know you're weak and vulnerable. So you're careful. And you hopefully surround yourself with godly people. But when you've known the Lord for a while, you're thinking, well, I'm I'm pretty good. I don't think I need to have those safeguards in my life anymore. I'll just pretty much uh, not be accountable to anyone and do what I want when I want. And next thing you know, you're falling Extensive Bible knowledge and years of spiritual experience make you think you're somehow above it all? You think you've reached some kind of a plateau spiritually? But you'll never reach that plateau. And the Bible warns that him that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know, there's a, a number of godly people who fell after they'd known the Lord for years. Moses comes to mind. Remember when he struck the rock with the staff and water came out? Well, he struck a rock again later in the story when the Lord had not told him to and was yelling at the Israelites saying, must we get water out of the rock as we've done before? Kind of taking the glory for himself that only belonged to God. And because of this, the Lord didn't let him enter the promised land. Moses, the man of God, The man that the Lord spoke to at the burning bush, the man who led the exodus out of Egypt, the man who put up with all of the whining and complaining of the Israelites and was so faithful to the Lord, blew it at the end, and he didn't make it into the promised land. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the king of Israel, and the man uniquely identified as being after God's own heart, sinned later in life as well. He was in his 50s. Appears to be having something of a midlife crisis. Kicking back in his rooftop when he should have been leading the troops into battle. And instead he's scoping chicks. And he sees the beautiful Bathsheba, ironically, bathing herself. And he lusts after her. And you know the rest of that story. How he, uh, she became pregnant and he had her husband killed to cover it up. But that happened after he would known the Lord for years. And then David's son Solomon fell into gross sin in his later years as well. Solomon was given such great wisdom from heaven that people came from around the world to sit at his feet and drink it in. And yet he went on an epic backslide and recorded it for us. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. It talks about all the things he tried and experimented with And all the things that were so empty. And ultimately he says, hey, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's a whole duty of man. So you say, well, why are you bringing all this up? I'm just saying that anybody can fall into sin if they choose to. You don't want to just start this race well. You want to finish the race well.
0: Good insight based on the life of Noah today from Pastor Greg Laurie. This is a new beginning and the message was called The World Changer at the End of the World. That's all we have time for today. Do join us again at the same time tomorrow when Pastor Greg wraps up our studies of Noah in this short series on some of the great heroes of the Bible. Hope you can join us same time tomorrow. of today's full message get in touch with vision christian store it was called the world changer at the end of the world just go to visionstore.org.au or call one 800 5011 thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au